What? It's so, yeah. I thought that was only doing it with Pro, but maybe not. Maybe it's everyone. Weird. Okay. Anyway, anyway I'm uh, recording. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Okay. Uh, here we go. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Q to Q, the wildest ride in the East. I'm Shay, and since I'm officially part of this cued commune now, I decided to introduce the show, and Ben can't stop me. And I'm Ben, and I tried to stop Shay, but he lives in Nashville now for some reason, and uh, is beyond my literal and figurative reach. So will this result in a new, smoother queuing experience, or will it just be me and Shay making meta jokes for an hour? Stay tuned and find out. Wait, wait, wait. Becca's not here. Nope. Uh, I actually gave Becca the week off because she's earned it. So instead, it will be Shay and Ben's Slap Happy Power Hour. Speaking of which, Shay, are you drinking anything this week? I am getting into the theme of things, and I am drinking moonshine. Okay, Ooh. it's touristy. It's not real moonshine, but it's served in a mason jar. Or, or I'm not drinking it from a mason jar, but I originally poured it from said mason jar. So there you I'm go. calling it uh, real. And as you can imagine, it's a bit of a local delicacy, especially to, as I said, the tourists. So, Ben, what Excellent. are you drinking? Uh, I am dry this week, unfortunately, but I will hopefully join in the fun soon again. Great. Good for you, man. We're going to actually talk a bit about uh, being dry. Uh, um, I actually haven't yeah. had a drink in three weeks. Wow. Yeah. You must, a, it must be a, a brand cleanse. new good for you that's great you must feel really good huh feel a little better yeah <laughs> just trying to lose some of this quarantine weight at the same time you know oh man yeah i hear you but with uh, that being said if you are drinking or following along with the drinking game please drink responsibly follow all the rules and regulations <laughs> set forth uh q is not responsible if you don't <laughs> so of course i am new to the full you know like the scripted episodes and and sort of the normal way that q2q is run so i'm figuring out the formatting a bit but my personal goal in this first scripted episode is to come in at under an hour okay so we're gonna have some quick small talk some quicker news and finally dig into the history of dollywood dollywood, dollywood and persian entertainment a bit by extension so ben how was your week uh my week was good i uh am starting to enter the last week of shows of fun home at the seacoast rep so that is uh, kind of sad for me because I don't really have any theater on the horizon. So it's just kind of back to work uh, after this coming week. And uh, I'm still looking for jobs. So if you want to hire me, then uh, send me an email. But <laughs> so it's a bittersweet week for me. How about you? What's going on for you? Um, similarly bittersweet. I'm not finishing a, and I'm not finishing a show, of course. Um, but uh, I was actually down in the North, sorry, South South Carolina over the weekend. Um, I did do a little theme thing, went to the South Carolina Zoo, Riverside Zoo. Um, I'm actually, I want to do a little research into what I call the Africanization of zoos, because uh, as a kid, I confirmed this with my parents, all the zoos that I remember were very not themed. They were very like, sort of, here is a place and here are animals. But hmm. the Nashville Zoo, which I've gone to a few times, um, and now this Riverside, Riverbank Zoo in, uh, in South Carolina are both like, they feel like you're walking into some version of Africa, a lot like uh, Animal Kingdom, of course, from Disney. Hmm. And I really want to know how much of an impact Animal Kingdom had on like the overall zoo experience uh, post-98. That's um, interesting. Definitely, yeah. uh, I could see that being an episode later on yeah. down the road. Also, That'd be fun. Um, 
I'm loving the the Lion King shirts on topic. Oh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> this is actually my this is my PJ shirt. Everyone oh, just go. know that I'm wearing a, a like a definitely from the '90s shirt, and this is what I sleep in. Yeah, you know, um, from the real Lion King. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, and I'm just kind of still kind of poking around to figure out what I want to do with my career next. I'm I'm still at Animax, uh, but I'm definitely seeing what definitely figuring out what the next step is. Uh, All for right. Me. Yeah, so um, a couple quick news notes. As the world pulls itself out of COVID, a lot of parks are having trouble staffing up right now. There's a few causes, of course. Uh, low pay, I think generally we are all safe admitting that the conditions are usually not that great for folks that work in theme parks, the sort of thing that you're used to hearing about at this point, which I very much hope changes sort of across the board. But uh, another piece that I read about today and I actually completely just hadn't considered is foreign workers. And you probably know that the international program at Epcot, um, there, those are all real foreign workers from other countries that come in and, and hang out. But there's, there's a lot of parks like Six Flags and especially Cedar Fair parks, including Cedar Point, that rely on low-wage workers from out of the country to come in you know, just for the summer. And with international travel being almost impossible right now, it's a huge talent pool that's just gone. Cedar mm. Point, the, the, the flagship park of Cedar Fair has raised its minimum wage. We are not making this up to $20 an hour and it still can't hire enough people to stay open for seven days a week. It is wow. only operating five days a week right now because Sandusky, Ohio is in the middle of nowhere. The only thing around Sandusky, Ohio is Cedar Point and it just can't support, support the park with local um, attend, with local workers. Interesting. Well, I'm not mm -hmm. going to lie. When I saw this news article, I definitely considered sending out an application because uh, oh, you should do it, man. That sounds nice, especially if they were doing any kind of entertainment. I would be all up in that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so another news story is that um, there's an interactive element that was confirmed for the Spider-Man ride at the Avengers campus in Disney's California Adventure. Um, still looking into what this means, but it looks like it's going to be an upcharged system. Um, that changes the way you play the game. Uh, and it's going to be like a wrist attachment, I believe, that will change the experience of the ride. So more on that as the story develops. But as for now, it looks like upcharge uh, pay to play, per se, on a Disney ride. So I'm really not sure how I feel about that. But, you know, <laughs> as long as yeah. uh, I can still beat everyone else without paying. <laughs> oh, well, that was, I mean, I, I didn't want to, talk too much on this but there was an interesting observation that i read today which is nowhere have they have they announced and i honestly genuinely don't know nowhere have they announced if this is going to be a scored ride okay they haven't said if there's going to be a scorecard so some some people are wondering like maybe you just go in and you play hmm. could you know? be um I'll, I'll admit that i'm always curious about like the scoring system inside of smugglers run i'm like i don't does that really add to it um i think so but, yeah okay. yeah well you get charged by the laser <laughs> <laughs> wait really you do you do I didn't know that. yeah i don't know if you ever saw the um the family no. guy star wars <laughs> special uh that came out years ago but oh he's God. like hold your fire there are no life forms aboard he goes what are we being charged by the laser now well now you are <laughs> so <laughs> the more if you spam the button you lose points um uh well amazing so i'll admit when i wrote this uh script i thought that i'd be able to figure out how long we've been recording for but zoom does not provide that as an option so i'm gonna guess 11 minutes we've been recording for 11 minutes looks uh, like it so i think that we are in a good position to keep um moving this thing 
along. Um, so before we move into our main subject, uh, I know we said we were giving Becca the week off, but she's got a little something to say first in our ad break. Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with Scribble Script Studio. Scribble Script is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram. Make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you. And if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. Now let's tuck into the main course of today's show and talk about Dollywood. Now Dollywood is of course currently my home park it's not the closest park to nashville that honor goes to holiday world which i will be visiting in a few weeks but the closest i would say full-on theme park right uh so dollywood wasn't always dollywood it's only been dollywood since 1986 but it had about a 30-year history prior to its current moniker that is only somewhat documented. Uh, from our research, we're pretty sure it originally opened in 1961 as Rebel Railroad. It was pretty much a, just a single attraction, a train, and a themed village around it. This is a, actually a common story for a lot of non-major IP parks. So pretty much things outside of the Disney and the Universal um, environment. So like Silver Dollar City, which is we're going to talk a bit more about in today's episode, that actually started as a cave. People came to the cave and then they just started adding more attractions around it. And I, I know I've said many times, Knott's Berry Farm started as a line for the chicken dinner restaurant and they just started building things around it and now it's one of the most successful parks in southern california amazing how that works the original rebel railroad is about as southern as it gets the story of rebel starts as the audience cast as soldiers in the confederacy board a train to travel through the smoky mountains during this adventure the train is attacked by indians and northern soldiers confederates from the train would fight back encouraging children to arm uh, sorry, encouraging children's armed with cap guns to join them. So wow. actually, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Let, let's talk about that for a second. Um, yeah, so I oh know boy. that, like, it, you know, speaking like family guy, they like to make fun of the South as people who just can't let go of the Confederacy, but, like, man, this is in the 1960s, you know, a solid 100 years after Civil War, mm -hmm. and uh, this, the, the, the attraction was we are all a part of the Confederacy. We're going to go through the woods and, oh no, we're being attacked by the Northerners, their aggression. No. And literally <laughs> there were children, children on the train. They were like, here's a cap gun, go fight the Northerners. I know, you know? it's the Northerners and the Indians. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Critical race theory at its best. <laughs> so actually it's, it's fascinating. I just want to sort of sideline this conversation. Just talk about like the influence of trains on art in the 19th and 20th century. Mm -hmm. um, so did you know that one of the original examples of film, I mean, original very beginning late 1800s was basically a motion simulator ride without motion. They were called phantom train rides 
Uh, so George Melier, who some of you may have heard of, one of the fathers of, of cinema and definitely the father of special effects, was playing around with these in at least the 1890s. Um, filmmakers would essentially strap a camera to the front of a train, hit record, and then go get the equipment later and play back the film for people to watch. And I, I'll be honest with you, when I was doing research for this episode, I couldn't find confirmation of this fact. But in my mind, I swear I had a film professor or someone tell me at some point that these films were occasionally shown to a theater set up like a train car. So it was, just like I said, it's a motion simulator ride where you sit like a train and you look out the windows and it's like you're riding a train. Hmm. So what I'm saying is if you want to create art for a mass audience, you need a train. Absolutely. Makes sense to me. Thank you. That is the end of my side. <laughs> so in uh, 1966, Rebel Railroad had expanded a bit and rethemed to Gold Rush Junction, which matched the chain of parks it was a part of. Gold Rush continues on for a decade, adding a few little rides here and there and growing slowly until 1976, when it was sold to the Hershen family, who also owned Silver Dollar City and a few other attractions in the Midwest. For a year, it was known only as Gold Rush. Then it became Silver Dollar City. No doubt trying to capture the naming conventions that seemed to work for Disney and Disneyland. So in 1977, Hershen spent a million bucks and it added a working grist mill and the grist mill is still, yeah, sorry, 77 a million bucks. That is not small change. Nope. So they, they added a working grist mill, which is still present in the park. And it's the home of the famous cinnamon bread. It's no longer, you know, operating as a grist mill, but like the structure is there. And in that same year, Hershen added Blazing Fury, a hybrid family coaster slash dark ride that is still there to this day. Interesting. So, I want to stop for a second and talk about Blazing Fury, as well as its sister ride, Fire in the Hole, back in SDC. Uh, really interesting pair of rides. Uh, they are like Indiana Jones and Dinosaur, almost the exact same ride, but with a different story. Fire in the Hole is about a local group of boogeyman stand-ins, known as Bald Knobbers, uh, set fire to the town. <laughs> Whereas Blazing Fury is more generic. There's a fire, get out of there story. But... One of the really genuinely cool things about these rides is that they weren't built by an outside vendor. Um, the technicians of the Branson Silver Dollar City, that's the original one, built the ride themselves. The system, the art decoration, everything. And then six years later, that same group of people traipsed across the mountains to the Tennessee Silver Dollar City and built it again. They didn't use the, the bald knobbers this time because bald knobbers were definitely like a local to Missouri group of, of you know, if you don't eat your meat, the bald knobbers are going to come get you. But everything else is almost the same. So around the same time, uh, we can't figure an exact date, but Silver Dollar City built another ride all on its own called Flooded Mine, made of materials and props purchased from a local Missouri mine that had recently closed. Again, a few years later, they rebuilt it at SDC Tennessee, but sadly that ride no longer exists. Though, a reference exists inside Dollywood's cave near the train station. The Flooded Mine was a slow flume ride, uh, a slow flume ride through, as the name would infer, a flooded mine that was apparently staffed by a bunch of prisoners. There is a theme song. Uh, so, sorry, we become distracted. Uh, in the 70s, still, uh, Hershey Entertainment owns Silver Dollar City in Tennessee, the park that is destined to become Dollywood. 
they add two engines to the original train ride. They coast along for a while until 1986 when something great happens. Something magnificent. Something darling. Something musical. Something dolly. Dolly Parton, who grew up in Sevierville, just one town over from Silver Dollar City, is the biggest name in country music in the 70s. And she enters a partnership with Hershen to goose the moderately successful Silver Dollar City with her holy image and name. Silver Dollar City becomes Dollywood. A quick note here. We can't we can't quite figure out exactly who owns the park right now. The general assumption is that Dolly Parton owns the park while Hershen operates the park. But a few things that we read uh, during the research inferred that Dolly is maybe only a partial owner or maybe just a stakeholder, regardless you know that she is a big part of the park even to this day. Hmm. The park is very much designed around her. Rivertown, the first new area built after Dolly joined, features a replica of her childhood home and is uh, rumored to look a lot like Sevierville uh, back in the 40s and 50s. There is an area of the park called Jukebox Junction, built in the 90s, that is very obviously based off sock hop hootenannies of Dolly's early career in the 50s and 60s. This part of the park features a rather massive museum devoted to Dolly's life and career, as well as a replica of her tour bus. Just around the corner from the museum, you will see daily performances from some of her family members, and the goddess herself will grace the park with a surprise visit at least once a year, 2020 being a notable COVID exception, and she will perform for whoever happens to be lucky enough to be in the park that day. <laughs> Since Dolly joined the team, the park has very much continued on an expected path. It has slowly expanded, adding new areas and new rides, including a winged coaster, um, an RMC coaster that is still the only wooden launch on the planet, and other rides of note like Mystery Mine, a coaster that starts out as a dark ride and features some fun effects. Also, Shay's personal favorite, Fire Chaser Express. Okay, I love Fire Chaser Express. Uh, it's a family coaster, and it's themed to a group of firefighters on a firefighting train speeding through the Smokies to extinguish some flames. Yes, it's the exact same story as Blazing Fury just down the hill, but <laughs> this one goes backwards, and it's also got some characters built in. There's a character named, I think, Crazy Charlie, who is built, you, you hear about him in the queue, and you can read about him on the wall, and then in one way or another he appears in the ride itself there's a lot more there's a lot more personal connection with this guy which is great and it features the only loading platform that i have ever seen where the coaster backs into the station loads hmm. a new group and launches back out the exact same way it came also pyrotechnics can't argue with that the newest portion of the park is called wildwood grove Built in 2019, this is 100% for kids. It has a cute little bear ride where you ride on bears around a little track. It's, it's adorable. There is this incredibly relaxing splash, uh, splash pad, and it's themed to look like part of this larger creek that runs through a good chunk of the grove. And at the end of the creek, there are some fountains and the anchor attraction, which is called Dragonflyers. It's a dragonfly-themed hanging coaster for kids. It's small, and it's really smooth, and it's always got a really long line. There's a few other flat rides nearby, some spinners that give kids more to do than anything in Toy Story Land. Now I'm wondering if uh, they give you the Pterodon Flyers treatment and adults aren't allowed to ride without kids. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, I can, I can say 
from fact, because I wrote it myself a couple of weeks ago, um, that uh, Dragonflyers, you are allowed to ride it no matter what your age or Excellent. size. I'm trying to think if there's, and actually even the bear ride, I, I will admit, every time I go to Dollywood, I ride bear ride. <laughs> At least you're honest, Shay. Yes, you're yes. Honest. I'm and trying if... to think if there's anything over there. I, I, I'm gonna be, I don't think there's anything in that neck of the woods that has a height maximum, you know? Um, that's a really good question though. Uh, cause there, there are, there's like, there's like a, um, a pirate ship swingy thingy. And there's one of those, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's like, they have one at Canopy. It's like rooster themed at Canopy where it's a spinning ride mm -hmm. and you can kind of control which direction your vehicle is facing, depending on which direction you point the rooster's head. Yep. I know they exactly have, what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Storyline they have one of those one over there. Oh, great. Yeah. They have yep. one of those over at Wildwood. Um, and yeah, yeah, and a couple other things that one of us is going to talk about. I don't know who. Well, it's going to be great. But anyway, yeah. getting back on track. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday we'll go be the, the cute, cute tour of Dollywood if Becca and I can get down there with Shay. <laughs> <laughs> so Wildwood is colorful, has a butterfly garden, and a few walk-around characters named Flit and Flutter, fairies that are part of the dream inside of Dolly that inspired this piece of the park. So that's true. I do. I want to just give a little bit more details on that, which is the, the actual story of Wildwood Grove because it's very colorful. It's very bright. The music that plays is really delightful, like almost fantastical um, flutes and orchestral stuff. It's not, you know, it's not Dolly Parton songs. It's not bluegrass. It feels like something sort of out of a very idealized version of like Lord of the Rings. Um, but, uh, but the story of this area is that like Dolly Parton had a dream and this was her dream. So it seems like this is a really good dream that, that Dolly had. And there's no shade. <laughs> so they picked uh, up one thing from Toy Story Land. There is no shade. <laughs> but hey, that that's okay. If you're feeling hot, Dollywood has at least two water attractions right now, a raft ride and a flume. Plus across the road is Splash Country. Dollywood's own water park that Shay has never been to. And there's not much documentation on it, so sadly we'll just have to say that it's a water park, y'all. You get wet. <laughs> but we've barely begun unpacking the delights of Dollywood. We've spoken mostly about rides, but there is so much more at this Appalachian attraction. So most of the folks that go to Dollywood go for the food and the music. There's upwards of 10 stages in Dollywood, and those are just those that are officially designated. Each stage features artists from bluegrass to soul to pop to country to Jesus jams. So many Jesus jams. <laughs> During most of the year, Dollywood is running some version of a festival uh, with extra food and music. So there are spots around the park that are just corners with a sound system where even more performers get their jams jollied. This summer, Dollywood will be featuring some extra entertainment at night as well. Usually they run a fireworks show, but this year they're going to have one of those light up drone shows. Ooh, but Shay, what about the food? What about the food, Ben? I was promised food. Dollywood is famous for its culinary prowess, though I'm going to be the wet blanket here and give it a meh rating. Oh. Yeah, it's got a couple buffets that are pretty okay and some barbecue that's a solid B+. Plus. Oh, the cinnamon bread? Yeah, it's tasty, but really only once. If you've eaten it once, you don't need to eat it again. And it's and only if it's fresh. And the problem is that, sadly, they don't even make it on property anymore, which is really disappointing. All right, but surely the booze must make up for it. Well, 
like it or not, Dollywood doesn't serve alcohol. Oof. This is actually common for Hershey Entertainment. Remember them? We've mentioned them for 10 minutes. The people who still kind of own and operate Dollywood. So uh, Hershey Entertainment is family first for sure. You can get alcohol at some of their dinner theaters, but otherwise... Mm. Walt Disney would be happy to know that at least at Hershen's two flagship parks, booze is still absent. Uh, Sevier County is actually a dry county, so getting any kind of booze outside of the parks is a challenge. That's, that's not all bad, of course. There are many benefits to this decision, but man, I really just want to sit by the river with a beer in my hand and watch the train go past. Audience, I hear you asking, why does Hershen have such a conservative view on alcohol? Well, Hershen doesn't have any IP in their parks. What they have is even better. America's oldest IP. Dollywood and Silver Dollar City will never declare themselves Christian parks, but that is absolutely what they are. Dolly herself is a devout Christian. Thankfully, the sort who loves everyone and wants people to have rights. Uh, it does attract that sort of audience, of course. A lot of those stages we mentioned earlier have worship music. You know, the Jesus jams. Um, at Christmas, they throw out all pretense and nearly every production ends in telling the birth of Jesus. It's a culture shock for sure, but Dollywood and Silver Dollar City are following Mickey's first commandment. Remember those commandments? The only reason I'm on this show? Okay. <laughs> Hershen Entertainment knows their audience. They know that the majority of people coming to these parks are Midwest locals who love some Jesus jams. Mm -hmm. In fact, both parks have a church. To be fair, Santa's Village and Storyland both have churches. Mm -hmm. The Church of Dollywood has a service every Sunday. And just down the alley... Called Craftsman's Alley because they have a variety of hardworking artisans building their crafts like leather and glass and candles. Yes, that alley, just down the alley from the church, is America Incarnate, the Bald Eagle Show. Okay, I'm exaggerating slightly, but only slightly. Uh, the American Eagle Foundation has an incredibly large exhibit of eagles here at Dollywood called Eagle Mountain. It is the largest exhibit of non-releasable eagles in the country. They have a pair of breeding eagles as well that have hatched several dozen eagles that have found their way back to the wild, helping to end American bald eagles endangered classification. Uh, they have more than just eagles. A few times a day, they will have a bird show featuring lots of local and some not so local avian friends for your entertainment. Vultures and owls and hawks. Oh, that's such an overdone joke. <laughs> they are also cute. You know what else is cute? Treating your employees well. Great transition. Thanks. Uh, in this time of staffing shortages, Dollywood is no less hit. But the only impacts I witnessed last week when I was there were a few of the food stands were closed and some of the less popular rides were definitely running at reduced capacity. Hmm. Um, Hershen Entertainment is known for treating its people well. Employees at the park make a decent wage and are treated better by guests. You speak to anyone at these parks and they're sure to have worked at Dollywood or Silver Dollar City for five plus years. In fact, Dollywood and by extension, Dolly Parton is the number one employer in Sevier County. And people keep coming back. What makes this all the more alarming 
is that both parks are seasonal. Many employees uh, know they won't have a position four months of the year, but they keep coming back. That makes customer service better. Which makes the experience better. Which makes everything better. So Hershen is family owned, which means that they have more control over their priorities. Unlike some of the larger parks who are chartered to make as much money as possible for shareholders, Hershen attractions only have to make enough money you know, to sustain themselves, so to speak, uh, which means they can put more money into making the mountain magic, the employees. <laughs> so uh, there you have it, an overview of Dollywood, the most successful park in the Hershen portfolio, even more successful than their original silver dollar city. So go for the fun and music. And you might as well eat something while you're there. And that's the end of the script, ladies mm. and gentlemen. So I want to ask you about a couple of your personal favorites, Shay. So we, oh, we talked course. about your um, one of the coasters. I believe it was the, um, it, oh, geez, the fire coaster. <laughs> yeah, fire, fire Chaser Express. Yeah. Fire Chaser, yep. Mm -hmm. I love Fire Chaser Express because the thing that I mentioned is it goes forward and it goes backward. It has a great little story scene in the middle of the ride where it switches from forward to backward. And mm -hmm. that's where you sort of, I talked about this character, Crazy Charlie. So right. you learn about him up to that point and then that's, you, you don't see him, but you kind of hear him and you, and you get to uh, see sort of how his story plays out. And it's really satisfying if you pay attention to the story of, of him. Um, but also just it's a really fun family coaster you know it's 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 no more um, crazy than like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad or anything so it's a really good entry-level coaster for kids who might want to move up to something a little more crazy afterwards. okay yeah and, and you mentioned that it was very similar to Blazing Fury um, <laughs> so in your opinion which one's better and which does its job of storytelling better oh gosh all right well I'm gonna have to say blazing fury simply because i am such a sucker for dark rides and for <laughs> for rides that really that stick to their story um so fire chaser express has great story in the queue it has great story in that little scene in the middle and it has a little bit of story on the lift hill but otherwise you're just kind of on a track um in this area okay which is you know it's, it's fine for this level of park but really Hershen Entertainment and a lot of parks like this have a problem where they have great story in the queue and then the story ends as soon as you leave the, the loading bay. Um, Blazing Fury, however, that is storied beginning to end with the exception of like one 10 second span about two thirds of the way through, which is just dark. Everything else is there is something to look at. There is some audio to listen to. They are doing something to further the story because really three quarters of that ride is a dark ride that moves a little faster than your average dark ride. So, all right, let's, 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 let's dig into this. So, um, Blazing Fury and, and also, uh, Fire in the Hole are pretty much one giant lift hill. Mm -hmm. So you spend the first three quarters of the ride going up this very low incline lift hill that sort of goes around the outside um, and a little bit of the inside of this giant show building. And throughout this ride experience, 
they will tell you a story of in really both both rides they tell a story of a town that has been lit on fire the difference is that in silver dollar city they are very specific about the bald knobbers have lit this place on fire mm -hmm. whereas in dollywood it's more of a um the town's on fire um right right yeah, yeah yeah and then when you get about three quarters of the way through the ride you go down a drop and then you kind of go a little faster and you go down a second drop and then that's kind of the end you end in the fire um station okay and yeah yeah and really the whole thing there is something to look at and it's it's just delightful i re i wish you know i it's obviously not the same like quality of decoration as rise of the resistance but in terms of like story density it has the same amount <laughs> you know right <laughs> now that's awesome i mean yeah we always talk about here how we love a good dark ride <laughs> so mm -hmm. huge fans of that on qdq uh do they have any other dark rides at dollywood is that kind of like is that what you get yeah that's that's really it for for dark rides you know they used to have flooded mine and i guess we can dig into that a little more so flooded mine um at silver dollar city it was built in the in the 70s and then in the 90s they added this like um shooting range element to it sort of like playing um uh buzz lightyear astro mm -hmm. blaster so they turned it into um, a sally dark ride they they really <laughs> did yeah yeah um and what's cool is that you know there's all it's it feels like literally you're playing through a dark ride version of one of those carnival um target ranges where they even have the little uh red and white targets and you shoot it and it triggers an effect to happen in fact yeah. i would not be surprised at all to find out that it's the exact same technology um and yeah at dollywood they had this until the late 90s and it was back in a corner where the flume is now and it was a dark ride it was there was no drop you you sit i really i highly encourage in a lot of ways it's it's more of an impressive piece of history than you know blazing fury or fire in the hole because if you okay. go to silver dollar city like we said in the script earlier when they built the thing, a mine down the road had just closed. And so they just went and bought a bunch of old equipment and a bunch of these, mm. like, boat trains is the best way to describe them. There's, like, four – they look like giant troughs. Yeah. There's, like, four troughs that are floating in the water that they tie together. And okay. everybody sits in them. And then it floats very slowly around this trail that they've built. And there's a there is a theme song, Welcome to the Mine Train, Welcome to the Toil. I don't remember the rest, but that's it. Um, that's pretty cool and, though I mean it doesn't get much more than authentic than that you know oh Just my gosh no literally it's, from yeah. an abandoned mine it's so genuine they have a bunch of really cheap they're not even animatronics they're just still figures mm -hmm. um, of prisoners in this mine just as it's flooding <laughs> doing <laughs> mining stuff I don't know how to say like, that but well we get paid just the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is nothing yeah <laughs> So, so yeah, so anyway, D Dollywood used to have that. Um, okay. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't have that anymore. Well, that's and, a shame. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine it's it's not a cheap ride to, to upkeep. Because, mm. um, you know, water, anything that involves water has a ton of upkeep. And I, right. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to hear if um, Flooded Mine at Silver Dollar City is on the chopping block. Um, so keep an eye out for that. If that thing, if that thing ends up getting you know if, if they announce it's closer i don't care where i'm living i'm going to go ride that thing one more time yeah absolutely i'll probably join you on that honestly yeah you really should <laughs> that sounds great 
Uh, so that was was that replaced by the the log flume in Dollywood? Yeah, best I could figure from my research, that's what happened. Mm. Again, especially especially Dollywood's flooded vine is not well documented. I cannot find an exact opening date for it. Um, and I could just find a rough closing date. I think it was either 94 or 97, somewhere in there. Yep. Um, but then someone someone said that it was, quote, back in the corner of the park where the flume ride is now. Okay. So um, that would make sense because that they probably already had, you know, the infrastructure back there for water pumping. Um, right. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, have you been on the log flume? I have. Yes. Okay. It's it is a log flume. It goes up and it comes back down. It's, I so it's, say it's the classic log flume trope of you kind of just do a couple turns and then you go up the big drop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it it is at least themed in so far that it is in the woods. Mm. Um, you know, so it's it's more themed than sort of your average carnival flume. Okay, um, but it's it's not not much more themed. That's nice though. I mean, I obviously I love a good log flume. Uh, I think you know been spoiled by splash mountain I and mean, who hasn't <laughs> if you've ridden it what and, what is um, your favorite non-disney log flume favorite non-disney log flume i haven't really been on that many recently i canopy man canopies i don't know if i've been on canopies Whoa, um, really? i love santa's villages though i do like okay. santa's villages log flume um, and then, of course, the bamboo shoots at Storyland is just classic because <laughs> it, was, it was pretty iconic when we went there. I don't know if you, people listening have watched our Storyland vlog, but we didn't get off that ride for six runs in a row because there was nobody oh in line. So that was pretty great. <laughs> Not even Disney can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love a good log flume, but you know, I also, you know me, I love the dark ride elements and the story elements that go along with like Splash Mountain and, yeah. you know, I'd even put pirates in that category. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would well, love you to should... see more rides like that. I mean, so let's, I, we, we briefly mentioned Mystery Mine and we'll talk about it again because I, mm-hmm. I totally forgot that really the first like third of Mystery Mine is a dark ride. So it's really cool. So dark ride is, um, it's, it's a Euro flyer ride type so it's a lot like you're familiar with canopy listeners are probably familiar with canopy it's a lot like untamed same ride system um except so you go out of the loading bay and you drop immediately i don't know 20 feet not even like 10 you drop Mm -hmm. some amount and you're sort of pushed into this short i mean 30 45 second dark ride segment so you're in that same vehicle you're slowly wheeling your way through this mystery mine this haunted mine where there's you know there's a bat here and there's a ghost here and there's some music and the mystery mine also has a theme song ironically it does not appear in the ride it appears in the area around the mine okay you're still you're in this and then it takes you to the bottom of the lift hill when the the music awkwardly stops as the lift (laughs) the first lift hill picks you up it's a short lift hill, and then it sends you out into a some a few little. It's no inversions, but just sort of crazy things that happen. And then it takes you back into the structure, and now you are on this the the big lift hill, the big one, the tall one. And you get to the top, and at the top, um, I will not spoil it. What happens at the top? But it's very cool, and it is. Okay. I would definitely, I would definitely say the lift hill itself, and what happens at the top counts as a dark ride and then you are launched into the that well-known drop that happens on these kinds of 
rides, which is the beyond vertical drop. So it's oh, you yeah. know a 95 degrees or whatever down. Um, and uh, and you do a couple more crazy things uh, track wise, and then you come into the end. So actually, yeah, Mystery Mine, mostly a dark ride, I would say. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's very interesting. I, I like coasters that have dark ride elements in them too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like you know, Mine Train, that kind of thing. Yeah. But no, that definitely seems like uh, seems like a, a heck of a day to go spend out there, and probably even more. Uh, yeah. I mean, you should definitely, you know, if if you if you really buckle down and and go go go, you can do all of Dollywood in a day. But then, you know, if you get the time, spend a couple of days because you know, Craftsman Alley, which we mentioned a little bit, that is really cool because there are, I don't know, a dozen artisans mm. whose job is to hang out in Dollywood and make stuff. There's two or three glass blowers, two or three leather workers, candle drippers or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do and, enjoy that kind of thing. Um, have you purchased anything from uh, Craftsman Alley or... Yeah, I bought a little uh, leather thing when I was there uh, like six months ago, and I think I think um, my beloved Abby bought some glass the last time because the glass blowers, I don't know, I've never seen the same level of presentation for glass blowing as the stuff that I've seen at really all Hershey. We saw a really impressive glass really? blowing demonstration uh at silver dollar city when, when we were there over christmas and then at dollywood yeah just last week we saw a totally awesome presentation on glass blowing that's very um, cool and then i remember when i was there over my birthday back in september i just like stood around and talked with the leather workers for just like a half hour it's like hey mm-hmm. how are you how did you get this job why do you love it and all this stuff and it's really cool because i think they have a very traditional you know apprentice master program so like one of the leather workers i was talking to was like an experienced leather worker, but he was not in charge. The the man, big man with the beard sitting behind him was the one in charge. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so interesting. And I love when when parks do that too, because you know, you can find these things in the gift shop, but to meet the people who make them and to even see them being made in front of you, that's just a whole nother experience. And oh, yeah. you know, we even have that up here too at um, Santa's village. I, I believe the guy that makes the rings in um the middle of the town oh that's right yeah yeah so i don't think they were open when we went but that's definitely been there when i've gone in the past so yeah it, it adds a little cool a little more personal touch to whatever you're getting yeah and that's, uh, that's like the hershian personality you know it's it's a it's definitely everyone sort of feels included and yeah. there's a lot of really unique, you know so i was actually really surprised to find that Dollywood was the more successful of the two parks simply because I will say on this episode about Dollywood that I think Silver Dollar City is actually the the, the better park um because like Silver Dollar City they have like musicians who live in the park <laughs> literally <laughs> their house is like in the park and you're like what what are you people this isn't real <laughs> that's crazy um, yeah and that's it's they've just been there for so long and you know, Silver Dollar Silver Dollar City itself has like a working. That's not. A, I wouldn't say it's a working farm, but it's a good exemplary farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's all got local stuff. I bought a bunch of local honey when I was there. Oh, very cool. Oh yeah, and, and local jams. It's it's all. It's just. It's definitely like okay, friends, 
from New England, you are familiar with the farm stand. You are familiar with the agritourism that usually happens in the fall. It's like, imagine if you took the the farm down the street that has a corn maze and a haunted house occasionally and made that into a theme park with some real money behind it and opened it up for mm. eight months of the year. That's what Hershey Entertainment does. That's pretty cool. And we've talked about that, you know, commercializing a, a farm into a park. I think, what do they call it? Agritainment or something? Agritourism. Ag- yeah, but Agritourism. Um, there was a, there's a park in, I forget, it was, it was way out west and they were trying to coin a new phrase for it. And I, I believe we talked about it a few episodes ago, but mm. we will bring that up. I will go back and listen because I have the memory of the goldfish. And uh, I can't remember what I had for breakfast today. So <laughs> asking me to remember what I talked about on a podcast a month ago is not going to happen. But anyway, I think we're probably coming to the end. Um, so okay. yeah, you said out of the two, your favorite was Silver Dollar City or? Yes, I did say that. But I, I, I don't want to end this episode on Dollywood. I'm like, oh, it's not my favorite. So like mm. Dollywood's great because it does. It has the support of Dolly Parton, and, and I think that's probably why it's the more successful of the two. Three million right. visitors a year—that is—that is not a small number. Um, and you know, when I was in the Dolly Parton Museum, it was crazy how many people were just there to see Dolly. The best, honestly, honestly, the best comparison to make is to Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Even though Dolly herself wasn't part of the like origins of Dollywood. People will go to Disneyland to walk in the shoes of Walt Disney because it's the only one of his parks that he ever walked in. Right. Um, and so people will come to Dollywood with that same kind of reverence around Dolly Parton. And, and I, I'll tell you, she deserves that reverence, man. She mm-hmm. she put a bunch of money towards the COVID vaccine, dude. <laughs> yep. She's um, pretty awesome. We like Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um, and I think that that's a big reason why, I mean, because... I would have to imagine she probably threw some money behind it, uh, behind the park in general. Yeah, which is definitely, you know, you can see the the amount of improvements they made before she got involved and then after she got involved. It's like, oh, they must have must have had some more influx. But right. Dollywood is is an amazing way to spend a weekend. Plus, you're there in Pigeon Forge. There's a bunch of wacky things to do in Pigeon Forge while you're there as well. Um, and it's just, it's such a genuine experience because the people that work there love their job a lot of them have worked there forever you know it's a real steam train and it has been working this is true it has been doing this run from the beginning the train tracks haven't changed since 61 and if you ride the train and you ride near the front you can see when it lets off the steam out of the engine it fires into the hill next to where the next to where it's sitting there is a hole in the hill down to the rock because it has been sitting there and releasing steam for so long. (laughs) And that's the kind of history you can't build. That's the kind of history you got to (laughs) earn. Absolutely. 50 something. No, this is is the 50th. No, that, that math is not right. The 60th anniversary this year. Right. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. So, um, it's just wonderful. And there is some good food there. Okay, guys. Go 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 to a good I think it's called Grandma's Beans and something. I, I genuinely enjoyed eating there. They served okay. a succotash that was worth worth eating. Yeah. Sure. You can usually find at least one good thing at pretty much any theme park. I'll stand by that. Yeah. I mean, yeah our yeah. personal favorite in SeaWorld is the barbecue, and you'd never really expect that. So huh. <laughs> just go try things. Um okay. 
but yeah, so Dollywood sounds like a great way to spend um, spend a weekend and definitely check out Silver Dollar City if you're in that area as well. Um, Shay, thank you for doing the legwork on this one. Literally, you walk in the park pretty often. <laughs> so um, guys, if you liked this pod, make sure to subscribe on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. You can find us there. Leave us a rating and a review that helps grow the pod a lot. Bring a friend that is actually the biggest director of growth here. Um, if you want more content, you can follow us on Instagram at QTQ, Facebook, same. We're on Twitter. Um, we are on Patreon as well. If you want more related content, usually we don't end up talking just about theme parks. We come up with a lot of theme park related things, or sometimes we just don't even talk about theme parks. We talk about animals getting drunk sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you're going to find that at patreon.com slash Q2Q, spelt just like the pod. And you can subscribe at anywhere as low as one dollar that is just so one dollar a month twelve dollars a year that's our fast pass here and that will get you exclusive bonus content or if you want more in merch you can also check that out at higher tier lists and we do have a merch store oh boy hold on pause while i look up our merch store because i forget it <laughs> i was spieling so hard too also, as since we are getting to June, we just announced on our Facebook page that we have a new t-shirt design available, and we will put the link in the show notes. It is for an inside joke from our Videopolis episode. Um, it is our Let the Kids Be Gay <laughs> Videopolis logo <laughs> t-shirt. Um, so cool thing about this, we will actually be donating half of our proceeds from this to the Trevor Project to help aid in the reduction of lgbt plus um, suicides which are at extremely high rate so if you want to support a cause and get a great product please check out the link in the show notes um, so thank you guys thank you shay we will see y'all next week thanks for coming everyone bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.